0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of What You're Reading. This week's episode will go alongside the blog post for November 4th. As always, in that post, I will link to all the books, the quotes, and the miscellaneous things that I'll be mentioning. That entry can be found on tbqsbookpalace.com. I'll have you know, I actually had my coffee this time, so hopefully, today's episode will be a little bit smoother. Who we kidding? It probably won't be, because if you came here for the professional and smooth and no-issue podcast, this is not that place. Apparently, I've gotten into the habit of sharing some of my cooking and recipes and whatnot at the beginning of this, so let's just, let's carry on with that, shall we? Um, because I might, I might have made another s'mores dessert this week, and I'm not even sorry about it. S'mores is totally my jam, so you know I had to do it. I decided to play around with a couple of recipes and I made a s'mores cake. I mean, now don't get too excited. I used a boxed cake mix, although the one that I used, I don't know what was wrong with it, but it had like no flavor in the end. The cake itself, I mean, the frosting and stuff obviously made it taste fine, but the cake itself ended up tasting like nothing. I mean, it was like a glass of water, except, you know, it was a cake. You know what I mean, though. Um, It just, it tasted like watered-down chocolate. It was kind of disgusting. I always use boxed cake mixes quite often and have no problem, but I don't know. Maybe this was a bad batch or something because it did not work. I will leave a link to a Google Doc that I've got with like the different recipes that I was combining and like some of my notes and stuff like that, if you're curious. And I will also leave a link to my Twitter post where I shared the final pictures of what the cake looked like and everything. And yes, I know it looks all sorts of uneven and it's like lopsided. It doesn't matter. Okay. It does not matter. Don't judge a cake by its poor decoration cover. Okay. Okay, as long as we got that out of the way. Seriously, the real star of the show here was the chocolate marshmallow buttercream frosting that I made. Oh my god, that was so damn good. So damn good. Highly recommend it. Like, if you're going to do anything, make that frosting and use it on whatever cake you want or cookies or just eat it out of the damn bowl. It's amazing. Apparently, my dog thinks so, too. I did not give him any of the frosting, so I don't know why he thinks he gets a say in this. (laughs) I may or may not still have some of the frosting in the fridge, and I may or may not still stick my spoon or finger or entire face in it on a daily basis. No comment. No comment. But the cake overall, it turned out pretty good. There's a couple things I would change, and I talk about that in the recipe document I've got going. Definitely recommend that frosting. So let's move on to the romance landia chats, shall we? First off, some sad news. If you have not heard, we lost two wonderful romance authors in the last couple of weeks. Both, as I understand it, to cancer. Fuck you, cancer. First was Miranda Neville, who wrote historical romances. I'm pretty sure I read some of her early books, like back when I was a young teenager and just starting to find romance. And I remember enjoying them quite a bit, so I may have to look back into them again. We also lost Janet Chapman, who wrote mostly contemporaries with some time travel magic to them. I adored her books, especially since they all had Scottish heroes in them. And they were some really fun books to read. I definitely recommend picking them up as well. In fact, a few of their books, both Miranda's and Janet's, are currently on sale for $1.99 and $2.99. I'll leave links to all of them in the blog post as well. You should definitely probably go check them out. But my heart goes out to both of their friends and loved ones, and I'm just so sorry for their loss. The community as a whole has lost some really great people from from what everyone has said. I never knew or met either author, but uh, I did enjoy their books, and that alone usually is a good indication of, uh, of a person as well. There's really no great way to segue from that, is there? So I guess I'll just jump into the Twitter chats um, for the week. I started out the week by talking about how there are some authors who do promo on social media the wrong way. I'm talking about authors who do nothing but constant ads and promo for their books, like 24 Damn 7, the same six or seven posts repeated every day, every week, whatever it is. Pro tip, don't do that. Don't make your social media into a constant advertising place. I know you are trying to sell your brand. You're trying to sell your books and you should. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's a way to do it and there's a way not to. And what I'm talking about is the way not to, because it gets really annoying. It's not going to gain you any new readers. It's not going to gain you more book sales. It's just going to piss off readers and probably make them so they don't follow you. Most of us follow authors because of what they post, what they have to say, what they share, the jokes they do, you know, the bits of their life that they share with us, the recommendations for other books that's besides their own, obviously. That's why most of us follow authors. We're not following our favorite authors to get a constant, endless wall of ads from them. That's not what we're here for, and that's not going to gain you any new readers. And yet I see a lot of authors doing that. No, I'm not going to point fingers or name names because honestly, one thing that's besides the point, and another, I see a lot of them doing it. Usually it is newbie authors, but I've seen some authors that are been in the business for a while do this as well. So my point is just don't do it. I truly believe that authors need to take some sort of social media 101 for authors type of class because there are some authors that are just not very good at using social media, especially for their business of actually selling their books. It's not as easy as just jumping on and typing up a tweet. And I get that. But I don't know, some of some of you authors, I think just maybe need to dial it back and put out other content besides just, here's my book, go buy it. Just just a tip from a reader. Helen K. Diamond, who is an author, she does a lot of romantic suspense and some contemporaries, she started a conversation about how hard we are on heroines. Really interesting and important conversation. Honestly, I'm still trying to untangle my own knee-jerk reactions, which are all from internalized bullshit, thank you, society. Uh, I think I've come a long way in the last, I don't know, three or four years but I know I still fall into the trap of being quick to judge other women and especially to judge them really harshly, whether that's in books or, you know, in real life. I'm working on it. I, that's really all I can say. I'm working on it. I'm trying to, when I find myself doing it, I'm trying to stop and ask why and what is the actual problem? Is there a reason why I am thinking those things or is it just that knee-jerk reaction, like I said. So I'm I'm working on it, and I'd like to hope that that's what everyone else is uh, doing as well, because how else are we going to grow as a person, as a community, as a society, if we don't stop and question and look at our own reactions and our own views and our own thoughts? So that is a really good conversation that was going on Twitter. I will leave a link to it, as well as to the discussion I had about authors that do promo the wrong way. Moving on to the blog recap for the week. First, Pat reviewed Selena Lawrence's latest, Ty's Heart, giving it four stars. This second-chance romance was a beautiful love story, and Pat enjoyed seeing these two try to make things work again, not just for themselves, but for their young daughter as well. There was also a Halloween guest post from Anita Sunday, where she recommends some of her favorite queer supernatural reads, plus shares an excerpt from her newly re-released MM Paranormal, Unmasked. Pat also reviewed Tanya Burroughs' latest romantic suspense, Code of Honor, giving it four stars as well, and saying that the Hornet team is back, and this one was an exciting read with danger and romance thick in the air. Pat says you can read it as a standalone, but if you read the previous three books, you'll know the characters of the team and enjoy the story and camaraderie even more. Speaking of previous books, book three, Broken Honor, is currently 99 cents. I will leave a link to it, so you can go and one-click that if you wish to try it out. Next, Susan Cliff visited the blog and shared her top five castaway stories, books, movies, and whatnot. Plus, she's offering one print copy of her newest romantic suspense, Stranded with the Navy Seal, which has a chef heroine and a seal hero. The giveaway will end on Sunday, November 5th at 11.59 p.m., and it is open to U.S. readers only. I'm sorry. Head on over and you can either fill out the rafflecopter itself, or if you want to just leave a blog post comment. I will also count that as an entry. Good luck. And finally, Sarah M. Anderson stopped by to share a secret. She writes under another name as well. And if you enjoy super sexy historicals, you need to check out her other books there's also an excerpt from her upcoming titles under both names there were also the usual posts up this week lusting for covers on sunday new releases on tuesday and daily book deals monday through saturday i apologize in advance to your one click finger while also encouraging you to go and treat yourself to a new book or ten i won't tell Next week, Jen has a couple three-star reviews to share. There's going to be a guest post from Annabeth Albert and an excerpt from Molly O'Keefe's newest, Ruin You. So be sure to check back for all of that. As to my reading week, I managed to finish only three books this time. It was... It was a week, and by that I mean just in my personal life, so I didn't have nearly as much reading time as I would have liked, but that's okay. I'm, I'm still well above my original goal for the year, my reading goal on Goodreads, so really I can't complain about only doing three books this week. That's fine. So without further ado, let's get into the book discussions. First up, I finished Wheels Up by Annabeth Albert. This comes out on November 7th, and it was a four-star read for me. This is a story of Dustin and Wes. Dustin is bisexual. He's just figuring out his sexuality, though, and he is still very much in the closet. He is older. He's about 30. He is a Navy SEAL, an officer, a lieutenant, if I'm remembering correctly. Wes is a little bit younger. He's in his mid-20s. He's also a Navy SEAL. He is enlisted as a petty officer, and he works with the explosives, mostly. So the two originally meet anonymously, of course, on an app. They were chatting a bit, having some cyber sex, you know, video calls and the like. Uh, They happen to be in the same area one week, so they decide to meet up in person hook up, of course, and then go on their own separate ways. About a week or so later, they find out that they're both going to be on the same SEAL team. Wes just transferred to Dustin's team. Of course, there lies the major conflict for this entire book, that they are not supposed to be together, both because they're on the same team and because Wes is enlisted and Dustin is an officer, and that is a big no-no, which is totally understandable. That is a big no-no in real life. My biggest issue with this book was I wanted to see at least some of those early chats and cyber sessions that they had. I wanted to see how they got started and how their, you know, originally just kind of friendship and hookup online thing turned into more. We didn't get any of that on page, and I really, really wanted to see that. On the other hand, we spend... Probably 80% of the book on the push-pull temptation of this forbidden relationship they're having, where it's a constant, you know, we can't shit, but we want to, but just one more fuck, I swear, oh, whoops, we're at it again type of thing, followed by guilt and worry about the fact that they're still secretly hooking up, rinse, and repeat throughout the entire book. And while I'm definitely not complaining about the amount of fucking going on here, I just wish that it wasn't so much the we shouldn't but we can't resist argument that got really old really, really quick. It was the only conflict pushing the book forward, which means that it ended up really slowing the book down in a lot of ways. So I get that their relationship was truly a no-no, and they could have gotten into so much trouble. I didn't want that that risk to be minimalized or ignored for the sake of the story. But I wanted less of that exhausting conflict and more, just more of the two of them, Uh, which is why I think that cutting some of that push-pull conflict while they were secretly hooking up and instead showing us some of their early cyber relationship scenes would have helped to even that all out, even out the pace, even out the story, just make it a little bit more, I suppose. So, the sex. Oh dear lord, the sex. A plus. A plus plus, actually. It was hot, it was dirty, it was kinky, though don't worry, nothing too hardcore here. Just some mild restraining, some little bit of pain play like nipple clamps type of thing, and just Wes being a bit of a bossy top to Dustin, which I fucking loved. I love when the stereotypical roles are reversed. So Wes is a bit younger and smaller than Dustin. Um, Plus, he's literally under him in the Navy uh, as far as rank and stuff. Yet Wes is the dominant top in their relationship. And Dustin is slowly coming to terms with his desire to submit or at least to submit with Wes. It's not something he has done before now. I thought that the kink in that was well done. It was hot and I loved it every single scene. And there were a lot of them. And I loved them all. No complaints there. As an example, there was one scene where Dustin is blindfolded. His hands are tied behind his back just with like a natural necktie. Like I told you, it's nothing too hardcore here. He's bent over the back of a couch and Wes gives him a rim job. Just goes at him for quite a while where the only friction that Dustin is allowed is... The friction of his hips moving against the back of the couch and Wes tells him, you can come anytime, but you can't use your hands and I'm not going to use my hands on you either. And it was hot and he did come and it was a mess on the back of the couch, of course, which we could have a moment where we go, um, I'm glad I'm not cleaning that up. Dustin is a caring and thoughtful guy and he says he will in fact clean up his own mess. A plus for that because um, get you a guy who will clean up his own mess in every sense of term that's just one of so so many scenes i mean there is a lot of sexiness going on in this book and uh, i could go on for a long time covering all the scenes but i'll just leave it at that little teaser of one and promise you that all the rest are just as hot and kinky have i ever lied to you when it comes to this especially mm -mm. i do not lie about the sexiness in my romances not at all I've mentioned before that Albert is fantastic at showing that sex is a wide range of activities. She does not make anal the be-all end-all focus for their sex lives. And hell, in this book, I bet you 90-95% of the sex scenes don't involve anal at all, which I appreciated because I think too often the focus on The focus is on sex being a very narrow, specific act, regardless of the gender pairings. Sex refers to a fuck ton of things, depending on a person and their partner or partners and their preferences. So I like to see that diversity of activities and preferences in my romances, and Albert does a great job of that with her MM. I'd like to see some more of that coming into the MF um, section of romance from other authors, but that's a different story. So like I said, while I thought that the conflict, the push-pull conflict between their forbidden relationship got tiring and slowed things down, I still really enjoyed this one. I thought the ending, though, I wanted a bit more from it. We're told what their plans are for a possible future together, but we don't actually see any of that playing out before, you know, the curtain closes, so to speak. It wasn't a horrible ending, but it just wasn't as strong as I wanted it, especially after so much of the book was centered around that never-ending angst of we can't but we want to but shit this is bad we shouldn't do this after all of that i just wanted I wanted some time for them to be together and happy without any problems going on before I had to leave them to their happily ever after. I didn't quite get that conflict-free area of their relationship before the book ended and I wanted that for them and I wanted it I wanted it as a reader to feel the full satisfaction I guess of their relationship development and I didn't get it here. A few minor things like I said that kept me from giving this book a top rating but this was still a fantastic read for me and I highly recommend it. It's book four in this series, but you could totally read it as a standalone. Though I did also enjoy and would recommend the previous books as well, especially book two, I believe it is, which is Apollo and Dylan's book. And that one is called at attention. There we go. I'm pretty sure. (laughs) Um, Dylan, by the way, is Dustin's younger brother and Apollo is a widowed seal who falls for his friend's younger brother. So there's your kind of conflict going on there and I think that one is, yeah, I'd say that book was definitely my favorite out of this series so far, but none of the books were bad, and I've yet to read any book from Albert that I found to be a low rating. I think the lowest I've given any of her books might have been a three star or three and a half, which still is a good rating, so I don't know. She is an auto-buy or auto-read author for me for sure, and I guess I'd say if you're not reading Albert yet, you should get on that. And this one would be a nice place to start if you want, as long as you know going in that you're going to have that um, that constant conflict going on of the forbidden relationship. So if that's not your thing, maybe start with Add Attention that I was talking about with Apollo and Dylan. That's also a great one, or even any of our other series. Just read Albert. I'll keep it simple that way. <laughs> so from there, I finished up A Diary of an Accidental Wallflower by Jennifer McQuiston narrated by lana j weston i ended up giving this one only three stars though so claire is the daughter of an earl or viscount i'm pretty sure it's a viscount come to think of it she's popular she's beautiful she's obviously well off both as far as money and status and she's on the hunt for the perfect husband um she has her eyes on the new heir to a dukedom However, she's not going to end up marrying him, which really has nothing to do with the hero coming in. It's, um, well, I won't spoil it, but she can't marry her duke. (laughs) That's part of the subplot of the story, I suppose. Our hero is Daniel. I always have to pause when I say that to make sure that I'm not saying it like my name, Danielle. This is so totally off track. You do not know how many times people have called me Daniel as if I was a guy instead of Danielle, as if the two names are interchangeable, even though they're not spelled the same. People are weird, okay? Anyway, our hero here is Daniel. He is a doctor. Obviously, he is not part of the ton. He is not part of high society in any way, shape, or form. He's also of Roma uh, ancest or descent. And yes, the word gypsy shows up more than a few times here, including once or twice from him. Uh, mostly it is used by other characters within the book and yes, it is just as side-eye worthy as you can imagine. But I think even worse than that was there's a moment. Later on in the book, towards the end, where Claire is described as looking almost as gypsy as him simply because of how colorful and like flowy her dress is that day, or some shit. I don't even know, but it had me shaking my head, that's for sure. Because, no, let's just no, not okay. So the two of them meet at a party. Uh, Daniel is the personal doctor to the hostess, and Claire ends up needing his help as she had twisted her ankle horribly earlier in the day and of course still went out to the party. The two don't get along. She doesn't want a doctor at all. Uh, She thinks she's fine, but she especially doesn't want him as her doctor. But her mother insists, and he shows up at the house to check on her for the next few weeks. I have mixed feelings about this book. Uh, on the one hand the writing itself is lovely the story is fine it's fairly uncomplicated so again i don't really have an issue to complain about there the narrator has a truly lovely voice and i think that really added to the performance of this book so listening to this was enjoyable i i have no complaints about that either but but this was underwhelming most especially the romance, because these two have nothing at all going on until like the last, I'd say 15%. And then it's a sudden jump to love and a marriage proposal. And I just I could not believe their romance. I could not believe in it. I could not get behind it. I didn't see it. I didn't feel it. And that's kind of a big problem since this is a romance novel. So for the romance only, I'd give this like one and a half two stars maybe. Add in the narration and a few other small things that I enjoyed and that's why I jumped this up to a three-star overall read. But if I'm going based on the romance, no, this is not really the greatest romance. I didn't really like Claire either and I know that's kind of ironic for me to say that after the discussion from the beginning of the podcast about unlikable heroines, but my problem with Claire was she was very shallow and rude And I just can't put up with rude characters. She's always was always looking down on everyone around her for being too plump or the girls being too plump or they're being too poor or they're ugly or for being a damn wallflower. And she thinks that is the lowest of low thing. And I just didn't care for her her views on all of that they just rubbed me the wrong way so much and yeah she eventually kind of stops saying a lot of that stuff i don't think she changes i think it's just other things were going on and so it wasn't she didn't have as much time to sit there and be you know looking around at the ballroom and comparing people but i just didn't like her characters too much I think actually my favorite parts of this book involved Claire's young brother. He was often saying very inappropriate things and dirty jokes and just it kind of made for some fun scenes that otherwise would have been missing from the book because I I don't think any of the other characters really added as much personality or, um, you know, comic relief to the story in any way, not even the hero and heroine themselves. Now, you probably expect me to start talking about the sex scenes, right? Because that's that's just my M.O. That's what I do. But you're going to be disappointed because I have nothing to say. And that's not a good thing. Uh, There's one scene and it is so lackluster that literally no part of it stood out for me. Hell, there was a part even before then where they were kissing and apparently she got her hands on him like through his breeches. And I didn't even notice it. I only found out because Daniel mentioned it like in his inner dialogue after the fact and I was trying to go backwards on my audiobook to find that part to see where I missed it and I still couldn't find it which is kind of hard to do on an audiobook though but I think it's probably because it was kind of vague and maybe I was just zoning out that day but neither thing is a good thing if I can't remember if she was getting her groping on then we got a problem but the sex itself pass there was just there was nothing to it honestly I was just disappointed by this book overall It wasn't horrible. Uh, The writing was fine. Like I said, I liked the writing. I like her writing voice. Their narration was really good. I'll definitely listen to this narrator again. I think I'm still going to stick with the okay rating overall because I don't have anything to bitch about. I'm just left kind of underwhelmed by it overall. I can't say that I'm in a rush to pick up the rest of the series, but you know, I didn't hate it. I liked the narrator and my library does have the rest of the series on audiobook and I'm pretty sure it's going to be the same narrator I hope so I'm sure one day I'll get around to it but I'm I'm not going to like jump it up to the top of my wish list on there to put a hold on it or something I'd say if you can find this one at the library and especially if you can find an audio you know it's it's not a waste of your time but at least for me it just didn't just didn't really stick or wow me in any way but it wasn't a horrible book by any means so there you go So the last book that I finished for the week was Michael's Wings by Tiffany Rice. This one comes out on the 7th as well. I've already told you guys before that the original Sinner series by Tiffany Rice is a series that people either love or they hate it so much that it is just next-level hate. And it's because of the subject matter involved, and I totally get it. And I don't know how, and I really don't like trying to explain what I like, I mean, I'm, I'm here for a discussions on why something is good or bad, why I like it, why it worked, why I didn't, all that. But you get to a point where you're like, I just love this thing and I don't want to have to explain myself. You know what I'm saying? And that's kind of how I am with this series because I know that people are either... For or against it, there's really no in between. And if you're against it, I I don't have a problem with you for being against it. I respect that and I get that. But at the same time, I'm not going to apologize or explain myself for loving it, okay? So, my point being with all that, this is my series that I understand why it's problematic, but I love it. And I keep coming back to this, but I'll say it again the series is not a romance. And I think a lot of people that don't like it, part of the reason they don't like it, not all the reason, part of the reason, is because they're under the impression that it's a romance. It's not a romance. It's not marketed as a romance. Tiffany Rice has never called it a romance. I guess it gets confusing because it is loved by many romance readers, and obviously Tiffany Rice is a romance reader and does write some romances herself and is part of the community, but this series was never meant to be and has (laughs) never will be a romance. It's just, it's not. So my, my ramble there is just to point out again, it's not a romance. It's erotica with romantic elements and even then that's really probably not the most accurate description for it but it's kind of what i've got i always call this it's complicated this is like the most rambly part of this podcast i'm sure because i am doing this part with like i didn't do notes for the book i just literally finished the book and i'm like well i've got a few minutes before i need to get some other stuff done let me just go record my thoughts for it so apologies in advance for this rambly part of uh of this podcast But I don't know how much I have to say about this book simply because this book is really only for those who are fans of the series. It's not going to work for someone who's never read the series to jump into this. And it's not going to appeal, obviously, to those who don't like the series to begin with. So I mean, I think this book is very much for a specific audience. And I also don't have a lot to say because I don't want to be like, giving everything away that's in the book. Anyway, I don't even think I told you guys what I was giving this for a rating. I just went off into my little ramble. I am giving Michael's Wings five stars. I know. I mean, that is like a rarity for me, but I just loved coming back to this world, coming back to this couple, getting these stories and Rice's writing again. This was just a five star read for me. So it'll go into November's Royal Picks. This is a collection of short stories all around the same couple. Only one of the short stories or novella, really, that is inside here is new. All of the others are already published on her website and have been for a few years, um, and they're free on the website. So the purpose of this, like I was saying, it's for a very specific audience, not only because of the actual subject matter of the story, but because it is only, you're only getting a short novella that is new material and all the rest is already out there on her website. But for many of the fans of this series, this is a way to have all of that plus the new story in one ebook file. I not can't remember for sure if she's doing this one in print or not, but definitely in one ebook file for keep. And so it becomes kind of a collector's thing as well for those who are a fan of the series. I didn't, uh, that doesn't bother me at all because I have not read any of these short stories on the website. I don't tend to do that a lot with any authors, even with series or authors that I absolutely adore. I rarely will read the bonus or short stories or whatever that some of them list simply because I don't like trying to read something that's that long and usually in that small of print on my computer screen. It's just not comfortable for me or my eyesight or anything else. It's just different than trying to read on, like, say, my Kindle. So, stuff like that. I've I've never read any of these other stories, even though they've been out for, like I said, a few years. So, to me, this is entirely new material. Now, for some of the fans of the series, the only thing new is going to be the novella. But this, this covers... A lot of little moments in time between Michael and Griffin. Both of them are bi, just FYI. And this series, uh, as I've mentioned before, is very hardcore BDSM. But it is BDSM that is done so so fucking well. I know I've complained about a few different books recently where the authors do not understand BDSM and are just writing stuff to jump onto the bandwagon and it is shitty and harmful. Uh, that is not the case. That's never been the case with Tiffany Rice. She does BDSM uh, in her books. I'm not speaking on her real life. <laughs> she does BDSM in her books so damn well and I just I just love it. These two, Michael and Griffin, are, they're so, they're just so adorable together. And I mean, considering how hardcore the BDSM can get and that, that may seem like an odd way to put it, but these two are adorable. They're cute. They have their romantic times together and just moments where I'm like, just have a happy smile on my face reading about these two. And then there'd be moments when I'm like, you know, ready to pull out the fan or a bucket of ice because hot damn, they, they get hot. They get kinky. I think the thing that I loved the most was getting the random bits of humor. Random as in it'll show up in the middle of a scene where you're not expecting the humor, and then you're just blindsided by it. And you're suddenly find yourself laughing for what people would think is no reason, but you're laughing because of what you're reading. I just, I love those moments. And I forgot how, often Tiffany Rice can do that in her, in her writing. But I also loved the, I don't want to give spoilers. I loved the way that the marriage proposal was handled for these two in here. That's part of the new novella, the new content. It was just, it was perfect for these two and it just put a happy smile on my face and... (sighs) You guys, I just, I loved this one. And I realized, like I've said a million times, that this is not a series for everyone. So, I mean, my my sitting here gushing about it is... Probably means nothing to most of you listening, and that's fine. This original Sinner's World is just, I don't know, it's just a series that I love so much, and it's a series that I never want to leave, and I always love coming back to it with these little short stories and add-ons and additional scenes and whatever that Tiffany Rice does, and I hope she just continues to do that, because that will make me the happiest of happy readers for the rest of my life, because obviously it's all about me. Who cares about the other readers or what Tiffany Rice wants to do herself? It's all about making me happy. Right. (laughs) If only. But yeah, this, this was just, it was a perfect read for me. And it was just what I, it was just what I needed as well this week. What it really did is it made me want to go back and do an entire reread of the series, which is six, eight. I'm pretty sure it's eight books and a whole bunch of novellas and short stories. And I don't have time to do a reread, but damn it, now I really want to after, after revisiting so much of the characters, so many of the characters in this, in this one. Like I said, guys, this, this part of the podcast is like so very different from the other book chats, but, uh, I don't know. You guys got a little bit of a taste of me when I'm not working off of, uh, notes, but I just, I just love this one. That's, that's as simple as it comes down to. I loved it just kind of quickly, one funny scene while I was reading this. And I mean, I shared a lot of quotes on Twitter, so I will link to those as always. But one funny scene while I was reading this is the two of them are fucking on a $10,000 couch that Griffin just bought. And the only thing is the scene itself was hot, but I kept thinking, Oh, dear God, why would you do that on a leather couch? I don't give a fuck if it's $10,000 or not. It's a leather couch. That's gonna hurt. Plus, that's a mess that nobody wants to try and clean up. Uh, But they do. They I mean, they fuck on it. I don't think they're going to do the cleanup. He's rich. He's going to have someone else do it, I'm sure. It was hot. It's just that reality me is too focused on leather and naked skin and wet body parts, and that's just not a good combination. That's going to hurt. Then again, Michael, at least, is a total pain slut, so maybe that was part of the appeal of it. (laughs) I don't know. Most people would agree that leather couches are a pain in the ass, literally just to sit down on him, let alone trying to fuck on him. But hey, you do you. And honestly, that was just me making fun of the scene, but it's not like I hated it for it. (laughs) And I am currently reading Ruin You by Molly O'Keefe, which releases on the 9th This is book three in the series, but it also says that it can be read as a standalone. Book one and two, if I'm recalling correctly, cover the same couple, whereas book three here is a different couple, obviously. Hopefully I don't regret jumping into it like that. Usually I try to read in order for a series, but I'll let you know if I regret it or not. If I regret jumping in, not that I'll regret the book itself. I'm actually a really big fan of Molly O'Keefe in general, so I have high hopes. If I manage to finish that one quickly, I'm going to start Rogue Affair, an anthology with Amy Jo Cousins and Tamson Parker and, oh gosh, so many other amazing authors. That one releases on Tuesday, and it's also only 99 cents, so you better pick it up while you can get it at that great price for so many books, or novellas, rather. I am currently listening to His Wicked Reputation by Madeline Hunter. This was another one of those, what can I find while I'm waiting for my library holds to come in? So, luckily, this is book one in the series. When I do have to do that in between library holds, I try to find something that is, you know, not book seven <laughs> in a series or something. I try to start from the beginning if it's available. And this one just happened to be available. So, it's been years and years since I read any of Madeline Hunter's books. I'm about halfway through. It's okay so far. But but I'll hold off on giving any other thoughts on it until I'm finished because I'm not quite sure, like I don't have any problems with it, but I'm just not quite sure what, what my thoughts are on it. So we'll see how that goes next week. And uh, hopefully some of my library holds will come in because they have been taken forever and a day lately, I swear. So what about you? What are you reading this weekend? Let me know, whether it's in the blog comments or on the Facebook page or Twitter or wherever you wish to find me. I'm very much in denial that it is November because that means that I have to start thinking about planning Thanksgiving dinner and dealing with snow and the cold and the holidays, which I'm not a fan of, any of that. <laughs> so yeah, I'm just going to cling here to my delusional raft that it is like August because otherwise, no. I hope you enjoyed this week's What You're Reading chat. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful weekend and fall in love with some fantastic books. Until next week, enjoy. TBQ.